Hi, my name is Sparrow. I'm 11 years old, and my favorite version of Mickey is Steamboat Willie Mickey. Hi, I'm Stitch. I'm 8 years old, and my favorite version of Mickey is classic. Not Steamboat Willie, but classic. And I'm Tony, their Disney dad. And my favorite version of Mickey is Sorcerer Mickey from Fantasia and Fantasmic. Welcome to Disney Discussions. Welcome to episode 36 of Disney Discussions. Disney Discussions is a family-friendly podcast where me, Tony the Disney Dad, and my two boys, Sparrow, discuss all things <laughs> Disney. This week, we have the main topic, which is our interview with Dan Cockrell, former chicken. vice president of Magic Kingdom. Chicken guy? He's not the chicken guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have our Disney trivia, then the question of the week. No, Disney trivia. I didn't mean he's the chicken guy. We have chicken guy in the news. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't. There's no news on chicken guy. All right. Ah! Is there any fox sporter news? Oh, the fox guy again. Is there there any news about me? Not really. Sorry. Taking the week off. Oh, okay. Why don't you go on vacation? You go to Disney World or Disneyland. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We got some stuff to talk about. So, (gasps) So last week... As you may or may not know, by following us on Twitter, me and Stitch got to go see Aladdin on Broadway. Aladdin, Aladdin, Aladdin. So the reason why Sparrow didn't go is uh, some Broadway plays have lotteries where you enter and you could win two tickets. And it's only two tickets. And you find out that day that you won them. And you got to pay some money, but it's a lot less than than getting tickets. So we found out in the morning, Sunday morning, we won them. And since I'm taking Sparrow to New York Comic Con uh, this uh, this weekend, I figured let's take Stitch to see Aladdin. How did you like Aladdin on Broadway? Best Broadway play I've ever saw- seen. It's the only Broadway play you've ever seen. I know. <laughs> so was it good? Did you really enjoy it? Yeah, it's a lot better than I expected. Yeah. I expected it to be like, eh. Mm-hmm. But it was like, yeah. What was your What was some of your favorite parts? The songs, that song, you got a friend like me, which, if you remember, was my favorite song from last week. I mentioned. Uh, Stitch, didn't you really like the song "High Adventure"? Because I've heard it over and over. I've heard it over and over again in this house since you saw the play. So is the play the same as the movie? No. What are some different things about? Um. So instead of a boo, he had. Well, you know. You but know the, you saw it listening. But I don't know. And the don't listeners know, and, don't know. And Sparrow hasn't seen it, so. <laughs> what are some of the differences? Um, instead of Abu, it's three friends, and instead of Ra- Raja, mm-hmm. don't. The tiger. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, Raja. Don't blame me if I'm. Um, don't blame me if I'm saying it wrong. And leave in the comments if you actually know what his real name is, if in case I'm wrong, <laughs> and I'm pronouncing it wrong. So what do they have in place? Just um, some friends for Jasmine. Yeah. Yeah, like two, three maidens. Yeah. And during the song High Adventures, the three maidens came out and they were like, "Hi, hi, hi," and then they were like, and they and they didn't know which, um, they didn't know which high they meant. Like, hi, like that's up high or hi. So they just said adventure. <laughs> How was the genie? Oh, he was really funny. Yeah, it was really good, right? But I think the funniest guys were um, the the three friends for Aladdin. Yeah, yeah they were good. 
The whole play was really good. Yeah, and and while they were fighting the bad guy, the guards in the palace here, in the middle of it, they were doing the conga like. Also, they fly a magic carpet on stage, and we don't know how they do it. It's really amazing. Goes up and down and sideways and towards you. While Aladdin and Jasmine are riding, it's pretty amazing. Oh, new world. So I, we would, you would recommend it for people to go see it, right? Yes, but yes. the tickets are a lot of money. They are a lot of money. Maybe enter the lottery and see. Yeah, but, but speaking still of, really good. Speaking of lottery, there is a lottery for the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on um, parts one and part two on Broadway. Yep. And um, mom entered. Mom entered. The first time we entered and. First try, we won the tickets! So we are going next Sunday, October 14th. Yeah. I'm taking Sparrow. It's just, again, it's just the two of us, but we are seeing both parts, part one and part two, and, next Sunday. Yeah. So really cool. We'll have a review of that coming and the up. tickets are $500 for two people, but we get it for $40 for yeah. two people. Yeah. No, actually, $500 for one person. No, $500 for so one person would... It depends, but some people are actually paying thousands of dollars for these tickets. So some, some of them are so hard to find. Some people are paying so, $1,000. Yep, we'll give you a review of that. And two. Speaking of that, me and the Disney mom, who we heard last week on this show, mm-hmm. went to New York Comic Con yesterday on October 5th. Had lots of fun. Brought back some cool stuff for you guys. Very cool stuff. Like a Royden Lep drawing of Iron Man, Mick, um, I mean Stitch, in Iron Man suit. That's right. So you guys remember Royden. We interviewed him earlier this year. He's got a great graphic novel series, Rust. Definitely. Recommend it. Go buy it. But he was at New York Comic Con this week, and we had him do a commission for Stitch, since Sparrow got one last year of Rocketeer, which is Disney-related. It's awesome. And we're, um, me... And Dad, we're going to actually go to Royden's booth, too. Yep, we're going. So I'm taking uh, Sparrow tomorrow to New York Comic Con. And then you can But, but this, this year, we got uh, a drawing, a commission from Royden of Stitch wearing the Iron Man costume, since those are two of Stitch's favorites. Wait, our listeners. not Stitch like on this podcast, the right, character, the character Stitch. Stitch. Yeah. So I'm going to explain it to you guys. Um, so it's basically just... Um, you can see his stomach a little bit, but he has the arc reactor and like the mask. His his like eyes are like like the light from the eyes are like rectangles. His ears are like facing down in the back. We'll put a I'll put a picture up in the show notes so people can I see was it. How about that? Just about to say that. Good idea, Be right? Be sure to check out um on social media to see a picture. Yep. yep. So go to DisneyDiscussions.com. You'll be able to see that. All right, you guys get ready to go into a little bit of news before our interview with Dan Cockrell. All right. The news. The news. The news. news. All right, media news first, as always. news. So Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR series trailer was released. So this is a VR game type thing that's coming to the Oculus. Um no, it's only VR. Oh, well, we better get VR then. So, Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR series, is a three-part story series collaboration between Oculus and ILMX Lab, Lucas's Films Division for Virtual and Augmented Reality Games, and is written and produced by David S. Goyer, who did the Dark Knight trilogy and Batman vs. Superman. The story series is set on the planet of Mustafar between the events of Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Players will explore Vader's fortress, as seen in Rogue One, and come face-to-face with the Sith Lord himself. 
fans got their first look, the first episode at Oculus Connect 5. No, there's just... Sometimes the games come out, uh, there's episodes of games. So that seems pretty cool. We don't have an Oculus, but that seems like a cool thing. But let's get one. We might have to now. I know, right? Like, a new Star Wars thing, because now we have to get it now. Star Wars, John Favreau's TV series details revealed. The Mandalorian first image. Directors revealed it. That's right. So, it has been announced, the title of John Favreau's Star Wars series, and this is coming to the Disney streaming service. It is called The Mandalorian. So really cool, actually. Yeah, so the production of the first Star Wars live-action series has begun. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order, so sometime between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Yep. We follow the travels of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. The series will be written and executive produced by Emmy-nominated producers and actor John Favreau, who did, he's Happy Hogan in the Marvel series, he did Iron Man and Elf. He's not so very happy. As previously announced with Dave Filoni, who's done Clone Wars and Rebels, directing the first episode. So that's cool that Dave Filoni is going to direct. Definitely. He's done some good stuff with the cartoons. Also, additional episodic directors include Deborah Chow from Jessica Jones, Rick Feynman from Dope, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who is actually in Jurassic World, the two series, and who? Taika Wakiti, who directed Thor Ragnarok. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you know if Dave Filoni's directing the new Clone Wars series? Um, I don't know if he's directing, but he's like executive producing. So yeah, okay. I think, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I meant is he helping? Yeah, he's definitely in charge of it. So, if you go to our show notes, there is a picture of what this Mandalorian looks like. So, really cool. Um, he kind of looks like he has like the Boba Fett, Jango Fett armor type thing. Yeah, well, I think that's all Mandalorians kind of look like that. But he's got a gun and yeah, that looks really cool. Awesome. So, looking forward to that. That's all of our media news. You guys ready for Disneyland news? What? Sure. Sparrow, your favorite news is really short. Looking ahead, sights and sounds and flavors of the holidays at Disneyland Resorts details. So, beginning November 9th, about a month from now, transforming the happiest place on earth into the merriest from tasting tidings to spirited entertainment. Here's what uh, we are, meaning the Disney blog, is most excited to experience. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. So there's going to be a Christmas fantasy parade at Disneyland Park. Oh, nice. It's a Disneyland holiday tradition, whether it's Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse offering Yuletide greetings, Santa Claus on his reindeer, or Disney princesses dancing at the candlelight ball. Everyone has a favorite part of this classic parade. As we get ready to welcome back a Christmas fantasy parade, the last day to experience Pixar Play Parade will be November 4th. So if you want to check out that parade, go there soon. Otherwise, you're going to get the classic... Uh, Christmas parade. parade. Festive food marketplaces at Disney's California Adventure Park. So this is kind of their food and wine festival at California Adventure. And that's going to start soon. Delicious mix of holiday dishes and beverages. Um, Diverse cuisines, cultures, and traditions. Come hungry. And that starts November 7th. Nice. Believe in holiday magic fireworks at Disneyland Park. In the evening, spiritual soar during the awe-inspiring Believe in Holiday Magic Fireworks Spectacular. This returning favorite culminates in a magical snowfall finale. Cool. Disney 
Viva Navidad Street Party at Disney's California Avengers. So part of Viva Navidad holiday celebration, a colorful street party comes to life with musicians, dancers, and giant puppets. The three caballeros, Donald, Panchito, and Jose, lead a jolly holiday celebration. I thought it was Feliz Navidad. Yeah. I thought it was Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Uh, yeah. Well, Viva Navidad, what does that mean? Like Christmas live or something like that? So seasonal decor at Disneyland Resort will start coming up. Wherever you look, the sights, sounds, and taste of holidays will put you right in the spirit. The halls will certainly be decked from the glistening Sleeping Beauty's Winter Castle at Disneyland to the gussied up sparkle of Route 66 in Cars Land. So lots to look forward to Christmas time. We've gone to Disney World at Christmas time and love it. So awesome. I would imagine Disneyland would be cool. And we're about to go on a Disney cruise during Christmas. That's right. 34 I was going to say minutes, but not minutes. 34, 34 minutes di- till we get on a cruise ship. 34 days from this recording, we will be on a Disney cruise. Wait, 34 minutes? We got to run! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Rumor? Um, there's a rumor going around that Disney's Jedi training show to close in Disneyland. That's right. No! So, oh, yay! Young, younglings may no longer learn the ways of the Force at Disneyland. According to a former cast member and Jedi trainer... Uh, Natalie, who mentioned the news on her Facebook wall, Jedi Training Trials of the Temple will be shutting down as the o- as the opening of Galaxy Edge grows closer. Twelve years after our Jedi show opened, it has been announced the show will be closing, she writes. Um, no, this hasn't been an official announcement, so maybe the cast members have been told already. So, in Disneyland, they're closing this down. The rumor is they're actually going to have a Jedi Training or some kind of Star Wars show in Galaxy's Edge. So... Training, it's just, it's not. They always take you as Padawans when I should be a Jedi Master. Because <laughs> you've done it before. I've done it five yeah. times already. No, not five. I'm still Padawan. Yeah, but it's a fun show to be in. It's a cool show to watch as you walk along. So I think they're just gonna. They'll probably stop it in Disneyland for right now. They're gonna move it into Galaxy's Edge, and they'll probably do the same with Disney World. Definitely. All right, that's all for Disneyland news. Just before we get into Walt Disney World yeah! news. Just want to remind you. Disney World use the most. Yeah, just just want to remind you where you could find us. As always, go to our website, um, www.disneydiscussions.com, and you can email us at podcast at Disney Discussions and merchandise. Just go to shop.disneydiscussions.com, and we're on the social medias at Twitter at underscore discuss, Instagram Disney underscore discuss, Facebook Disney Discussions, and YouTube. Um, search for this podcast and me and Stitches, we got some unboxing videos and all our other podcasts. That's right. And we recently uh, partook in the Mickey Mouse Oreos and that's on our yes. YouTube channel. So check out that video. That's a lot of work. Our, our Twitter is at Disney underscore discuss. I think you just said at underscore discuss. I don't know who that goes to, but hey, let them know about our podcast. But that, as always, go to DisneyDiscussions.com and that'll give you all the details and you'll be able to see. Stitch as Iron Man. That Royden <laughs> left group. You guys ready for Disney World news? WDW news! Yay! <laughs> Alright. So, some changes coming to ticket pricing at Walt Disney World. Some. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a lot. Beginning October 16th. Some's a lot. <laughs> beginning October 16th on DisneyWorld.com, guests will be able to access their new online vacation planning destination and purchase tickets uh, that are priced based on their date of visit. 
So these changes are designed to simplify the booking experience, give guests an enhanced way to purchase theme park tickets, and help them more easily plan the Disney vacation of their dreams. The new online vacation planning destination featuring park offering overviews, travel tips from Disney Parks Moms panel, and customized suggestions based on each guest's personal preference. So it sounds like they're revamping their website, but part of this is now your when you're going on your trip is going to determine the price of your ticket. So say you're going during the summer, the tickets will probably be like... Higher price. Higher price? Yeah, higher price. Because there's more people going. So the more in people... Summer, more people go? Yeah, because people aren't in school or uh, they get out of work. On the fall, like, but around Christmas time, the tickets will be... In, on Christmas time, the tickets will be really high? Yes. So it's going to be based on how many people are going. So if they have a lot of people going at the same time... Which I will during Christmas time. They're gonna they're gonna raise the prices, and in like September the prices are gonna be lower. Lower because so if you're going on a on a long trip and you want eight days of park tickets, the price of each day is gonna based on the first day you're going. But this changes so like right now you could buy tickets and you have um, once you activate it on the first day you have 14 days to do the re- to use the rest of your days on the tickets. So if I start today, which is a Saturday, I could then not go um, Sunday, Monday, go back Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like you have days to use it. With this, if you buy a one-day ticket, you have to use it on the day you select it. If you buy a two-day ticket, you have three days to use it. So you could go one day, skip a day, and then go another, but you only have three days. If you buy four days, I think you have like five or six days to use it. So you have to be careful like when you're buying. They do have an option if you want to have a flexible option. It's going to be roughly another $100 per ticket. So you just get fourteen a 14-day ticket and you can use it whenever you want, but you're paying a higher price for that. Yeah. So, I mean, we all kind of heard rumors about this. They do hotels like this. You book hotels during certain times of the year. The price is going to be higher. The same is for the tickets. So. I think that's actually kind of good. Yeah. I think it's kind of good because you can always just pretty much plan your Disney vacations at the lowest time and then... Yeah, but the more people that plan it at a lower time, that means the prices are start going to go higher, right? This also is going to do away with um, Magic Kingdom. I think this is going to do away with Magic Kingdom is now a higher price for one day than the rest of the parks. Probably. I think they're all going to be the same price now. Yeah. So we'll see. So that starts October 16th. They've already done some updates on the My Disney Experience website. Um, it's just a little seeker looking, a little different looking, and there'll probably be app okay. updates for this as well. But cool. be on the lookout for that. Good. It's a good. It's a good website when it works. A lot of times there's some issues with it, but I think I'm hoping with this update, uh, the app and yeah. the website will work better. Jake from Jake and the Neverland Pirates, meet greet meet and greet Hollywood Studios ending October seventh. That's a lot of words. You keep saying that. Are you happy or not? You're happy Jake's not going to be happy, there? Happy, happy, so this happy, is happy. starting uh, the last day to meet Jake will be um, October 7th. And then Vampirina is going to come in. All the rest of the, the characters are still going to be there in Animation Court. I heard, okay. But Jake is going away. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm upset now that yeah. Jake's going away because pleasing with Vampirina. Yeah, you're not a big fan of Vampirina. Rafiki's playing to watch. If you remember last week, we said it was going to close. Well, it is, but it's going to reopen in the spring. <laughs> so it's not. So it's not closing forever. Yeah. It's just temporary. I don't know if they're going to make improvements or just nobody goes during the yeah. winter time, so they're shutting it down. But it'll be back. Stitch's Great Escape at the Magic Kingdom will not return. 
the attraction has already been dismantled. So if you remember, I think earlier this year in January, we reported that Stitch's Great Escape is not coming back, but then Disney came out and said, no, no, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. Well, it has never come back. And sources are indicating that the animatronic characters are already gone um, from the second pre-show room, um, and they're already starting to rip things things out of there. So this is not coming back. Imagine somebody, imagine somebody rides it, no animatronics. <laughs> I like this ride. <laughs> this is the best ride ever. <laughs> I got to nap for 20 minutes. Uh, the rumors are still that a Wreck-It Ralph attraction is going to go in that space, but we really don't know. And the first pre, sorry, and the first pre-show room is going to be used for uh, Stitches alien encounter a character greeting during the time but the rest of the ride is going to be dismantled i think if you could if i could put um like any tv show or movie or anything i would probably put a phineas and ferb attraction that'd be cool because they don't get enough credit in the parks yeah they're not going to do that though only because the show is no longer running if the show is still running i could see them doing that but they're not going to do that now but aren't they doing the milo murphy's law and phineas crossover yeah but that's only one or two episodes like a movie kind of thing Mm. yeah Pizza Rizzo at Disney's Hollywood Studios entering seasonal operation until Galaxy's Edge opens. That's right. We said it was going to shut down, but it's seasonal now. Yeah, it's going to be seasonal. So on October 20th, the Muppet-themed quick service restaurant at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Pizza Rizzo, will be closed and enter a seasonal operation schedule. Not a lot of people go there, and it just opened in November 2016, so only two years ago, but... Once Galaxy Edge opens later this fall, um, they're going to need that space and for people to go, so they'll reopen it uh, that time. So while Disney World raises fountain and bottle drink prices, popcorn, pretzel, and other snack item prices pretty no much. Oh, popcorn with the special bucket is more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Can't forget the special bucket. So bottled and so- bottle sodas have risen to four fifty, up fifty cents from four dollars. Fountain sodas have increased from three twenty nine. Regular and a three seventy nine for a large to a three ninety nine and four dollars and more than four dollars probably four fifty for the large bottle sodas have risen to four fifty from four dollars uh, yeah four fifty for a large fountain soda the price increase also have hit water bottles which go to three fifty from three dollars uh, Mickey pretzels has risen to seven dollars an increase from a dollar so that's a lot ice cream novelties have risen to five seventy five up from five dollars so that's seventy five cent price. So some of these ups aren't that big. No, but I mean, like it's some seventy-five of, cents is a lot to go up. A dollar is a lot to go up for snacks. But most of them, like fifty cents to go up, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. For um, like a drink or something, that's not that big. And churros are up. Don't tell me. What? Churros, I love them. No, and churros are up to six twenty-five, up a whopping dollar seventy-five from their June proce- prices. No! So that's a lot. <gasps> Almost two dollars. Um, I don't have the popcorn prices, but those have gone up too. So hopefully they only got up like fifty cents. Yeah, just keep getting my popcorn with a special bucket. Just things to keep in mind. Also, if you're planning on going to Disney World in 2019, Peter Pan's Flight and Tomorrowland Speedway will be closed for a bit. Peter Pan Flight will be closing January 7th, 2019, through February 2nd, so almost a month, just for refurbishment, paint some stuff get things going and then Smarland Speedo will be closed for work related to the construction of the con- Tron not con the Tron oh, roller coaster God. in Tomorrowland the closure is set to start January 2nd and will last for several months mm. so it's going to be a while I hate Tomorrowland Speedway yeah, it's not a lot of fun I hate you've never been on it I know but alright some new details on the Millennium Falcon ride cool yeah 
and a possible hard ticket preview event for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. What does that mean? So you have to buy a special ticket to ride it in advance. Oh, okay. The Millennium Falcon attraction will feature randomized missions, which means cool. just kind of like Star Tours is every time you ride it. Yeah, every time you ride it could be something different. Also, Hondo is the owner of Hondo Onaka's Transport Solutions. So we know him from Clone Wars and Rebels. Onaka, um, Hondo. He'll be, sending your, he'll be sending your crew on a mission to Corellia. Before you enter the ride, you will see the Falcon outside. And as you go in and have some sort of encounter with Hondo, you board the Millennium Falcon from underground on by two. And they're assuming the idea is that the ship lowered underground to let you board that way. This means that you'll be able to see the outside of the Millennium Falcon before they even board the, the attraction, which is cool. Cool. Also, the idea that you meet Hondo outside the Millennium Falcon makes it sound like there will be a live actor audio animatronic in the queue. The ride experience itself will initially take place between episode 7 and 9, um, but will be updated possibly yearly as the Star Wars canon changes with new movies. There'll be kind of three missions that Slash Film reported as a website. Okay. Uh, mission scenario one, Hondo gets you involved in a race to Corellia where he's sure you can't lose the Millennium, Millennium Falcon. With, you can't lose with the Millennium Falcon. Right. Thank you. Scenario two, Hondo sends you to the First Order shipyard on Corellia, possibly on a mission for the Resistance. And then scenario three, your crew will have to steal some pieces of the cargo, but the cargo is guarded by a giant monster similar to the Maw from Solo, A Star Wars Story. And you'll have to evade the creature like the mythic heroes stealing the treasure from the sleeping dragon. Spoiler, the dragon wakes up. Disney is touting the attraction as being fully controlled by the guests, meaning a successful mission could give riders credits to use in the land. Conversely, an unsuccessful mission can mean a bounty will be put on your head as you walk through the land. In other bounty, like yeah, like bounty hunters will try and capture you. Wait, when it says credits, does that mean they'll give you money? Like you Possibly. can pick out like a <gasps> yeah. just, like, like, like a, a small toy, souvenir or something. Like yeah. the toy trader thing. Yeah. Like, you, like they give you a thing like, oh, I heard that you did a good job on the Millennium Falcon mission. You can pick out any of these. Yeah, exactly but right. I don't <laughs> then you better do well. I They're wanna, not going to hurt you. They'll never hurt you. It'll just be part of the story. I want a bounty on my head. In other Star Wars Galaxy Edge Smoke news, there. a recent commercial film by Disney seems to point to the idea that there will be an opportunity for premium access to the land, probably for Disneyland since it opens first. This will likely be in the form of a hard ticket event for guests to experience the land without the anticipated crowds. And due to the expected draw for the land, a hard ticket experience would be a good opportunity for diehard Star Wars fans to experience Galaxy's Edge. So does this ride sound cool? Yes. That'd be cool. That, that It gets you to ride more if there's different scenarios. Yeah, cool. and plus, like, if, say you fail it, you can go back online and then try to succeed to know what you did wrong. Yeah. So then you could get credits to do something. Well, if you have a bounty on your head and there's, like, a little kid, that little kid might be freaking out, so... Oh, but again, they're not going to hurt you. They might just... Know, some characters play around with you. <laughs> Disney knows what they're doing. Jack Sparrow Meet and Greet has replaced defunct pirate tutorial show at Magic Kingdom. So we talked about this. Okay, how the I'm definitely really happy about this. <laughs> the pirate show outside of um, Pirates of Caribbean uh, closed down, but now they're doing a Jack Sparrow Meet and Greet there. Okay, cool. I'm really happy about this because you can only meet Jack Sparrow and Castaway Key before this. So we're going to meet Jack Sparrow on Disney's private island. So I'm really happy about yep. that too. So now when we go to the Disney parks, I can meet him too. So there you go. Again. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, new Candlelight Processional Narrators, Food and Merchandise, set for 2018. 
So some, I'm just going to highlight the new people that are coming to the Candlelight Processional. Some of them have already been okay. there, but Helen Hunt is going to be there November 24th to 25th. Alfonso Ribeiro from America's Funny Some Video. Oh, him. He's going to do it. Host from, from last year? Yeah. He's going to do November 26th to 27th. We got Bart Millard from Mercy Me is going to be there December 10th to the 12th. Some Oh, um, the girl that played Moana. I don't. I'm, I'm not even going to pronounce her name. It's a Hawaiian name and I don't want to mess it up. We'll be there from December 21st to the 23rd. Cool. Along with some uh, people that have always been there. Pat Sajak, Gary Sinise, Whoopi Goldberg, Neil Patrick Harris. There's going to be some new t-shirts and hoodies featuring Chippendale uh, decorated for the holidays that you could buy at Epcot. Uh, there's also Beyond the Candlelight Processional, several other favorites return for this year's Festival of Holidays, Chippendale Christmas Tree Spree Scavenger Hunt. So you can do a scavenger hunt throughout Epcot and get a prize at the end is going to be there. Nice. Um, a complete viewing of illuminations. Uh, and this might be the last time they do the Christmas illuminations. So oh, cool. Check that out. But sad. Well, when you say Chippendale decorated for on the holidays, they're going to be wrapped in streamers and probably have Christmas lights all tangled up around them. Maybe. Maybe. There. Who knows? They're crazy. Double the attractions, double the fun at the newly expanded early morning magic. Cool. So you guys remember what this is. You buy a ticket and you get in early at Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. So starting December 2nd, they'll be going to, there's going to be more rides. Nice. So you get Seven Doors Mind Train like you always have uh-huh. and the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh as well as new to the event is Princess Fairy Tale Hall so you can meet oh. the princess if you want. It's a small world, Mad Tea Party, and Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. Nice. The mermaid, uh, the, the mermaid. The morning also includes scrumptious breakfast at Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. That comes with cheese and cured meats, scrambled eggs, breakfast potatoes, pancakes, and more. Breakfast runs from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., and the event-only access starts at 7.45 until 9 o'clock. Cool. So you can actually get in that hour, um, hour and 15 minutes, you can get... All those rides done, I think. You can even ride them more than once, which is pretty cool. Yeah, probably. The price goes up slightly, and it'll happen on select Tuesdays and Sundays, and will be from $79 for adults and $69 for children. Admission will be limited, so be sure to book your reservations now. So if you want to go early and go hit, hit these rides before the lines go, you could pay to do that. It's a $10 difference between kids and adults. Correct. Correct. That's all of our news. Now on to the main topic. Topic. All right, we talked to the former vice president of the Magic Kingdom, Dan Cockrell. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because we talked to his dad, Lee Cockrell, about a month ago, which was a great interview. Yeah. We interviewed Dan Cockrell. Actually, that same day we interviewed Lee. Yes. So this is pre-recorded, And it, this was another great interview. He gives us some insight into why there might not be a, a nighttime parade at Disney and Maybe there's one coming. He gives us some ideas on what uh, differences between the current Star Wars land and what they originally thought up, some details on how Disney runs, and just, you know, his career advice. So it's a really good interview. Check it out. Listen. And he'll tell you why why he didn't see the dragon's head catch on fire. That's right. All right. Listen right now. All right, thanks everyone for joining us on Disney Discussions. Tony the Disney Dad here with... Barrow. Stitch. And we have special guest, Dan Cockrell. Dan started his Disney career as a participant in the Walt Disney World College program in 1989 and then worked his way up to vice president of the Magic Kingdom when he retired earlier this year. Dan has been a keynote speaker for the world-renowned Disney Institute, 
uh, for 18 years. And now Dan provides presentations and focusing on leadership and management practices, uh, drawing upon his extensive Disney career. So welcome, Dan, to our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course. It's a pleasure. So mm-hmm. once you get us started, why don't you walk down the, the, the journey that you've taken to where you are today? Yeah, well, uh, I grew up moving a lot. My dad worked for a Marriott mm. uh, for many years, and so we would move every couple of years. And we lived in a lot of different places, and we settled in Maryland outside of Washington, D.C. And I grew up there from fifth grade and graduated from high school there in Rockville, Maryland. I went to Boston University and studied political science, and I ended up working. I waited tables in Ocean City, Maryland after my freshman year. Okay. And then I worked on the Walt Disney World College program my sophomore summer. So we recruit, um, we have probably now about 6,000 college students that work at Walt Disney World at any given time. Wow. And we house them, provide transportation, provide classes. A lot of people who are getting hospitality degrees uh, get college credit. And it's just a great way to get some fresh talent in. They get to get the Disney name on their resume. We get to get some people to take a look at the company. And a lot of, of the leaders and executives there uh, stay. And um, so I went I went back to school, graduated. I went back down and worked uh, back in 1991 for six months at Walt Disney World. And my first role was in uh, parking at Epcot. Hmm. And then I went over to Disneyland Paris as a management trainee. And um, I was supposed to go for a year and a half on my work visa. And I uh, met my wife who's from France. We got married and we stayed there for uh, five years. And then I got back to, we, we moved back to the U.S. in 1997 mm. and I worked at Walt Disney World up until about three months ago. <laughs> and uh, who knew I'd, the Magic Kingdom had a vice president? That sounds like an awesome job, a dream job. It was, uh, you know, when you come in every day and the first thing you see after you come through the gate is the Cinderella's Castle and you know this is a place that you're working for, it's uh, pretty, it, it never gets old. Yeah, I would imagine not. So you, you've, um, looking at your website, you've gone many positions at Disney. Um, did you have a favorite position? You know, I, people have asked me that <laughs> and I, I've just... Um, Every job, you learned so much and you had so many incredible experiences. Um, some of my highlights, I think, uh, one was the being the general manager of the Wilderness Lodge mm. and the Fort Wilderness Campground. That was a fun job. Um, I got to ride my bike around the campground and we had the uh, campfire every night and we had to, you know, we'd have black bears every once in a while walking <laughs> around. The hoop-de-doo review. Yeah. And that, that, was, that was a pretty cool job. And how did those opportunities come? Did you seek uh, um, kind of moving up the ladder, different positions? Did Disney come to you and recognize, hey, you're doing a great job here. We, we need you here. How did how did the the moving of positions happen? Yeah, Disney is, uh, they're pretty good about uh, talking about getting diverse experiences. Mm-hmm. They know that there's a lot of power in getting experience. And so if you are open and make it, and make it clear that you're willing to move around, uh, you certainly can have those opportunities. It's some people consider it risky to to move to a different line of business. So I moved from like parks to resorts, and everyone said, "Why are you doing that? You know, you know parks so well." And I just said, "Well, I figure if I can go to resorts and figure this out in a couple of years from now, I can say that I know how to run a hotel." Yeah. So you have to be a little bit adventurous and a little bit. Uh, you have to have a certain amount of confidence to know that you're going to figure it out. 
and it is a little bit disconcerting at times to make those moves. But um, I think over my career, I had 17 or 19 different jobs, and you start getting used to it. You get used <laughs> to the formula. You, it, you get a lot of humility, and you go into these jobs knowing that you're not going to know half of what people already know about it. And you get in there, and you learn the job. You put a costume on. You do the job. You meet people, and uh, you learn. You learn as you go. Now, I would imagine um, being the vice president of Magic Kingdom and you're a vice president of Epcot and Hollywood Studios as well, there's a lot of people kind of underneath you. So the people you hire have to be extremely important. You have to have your trust in those people, right? That is, uh, we talk about that a lot. That is actually the number one most important thing I think of a successful business is Mm. having the right talent. Uh, I, I, I talk often about this and you see it in sports, you know, it's, that's the ultimate. So, you, you know, you watch the draft, who's going to go number one and who's going to go number two. And you have the combines and, you know, talent is it's it, in sports. It's, it's so obvious because there's a, there's a score. It's all very um, uh, detailed in how you compete. And uh, I think people forget that sometimes that when you can bring in talent into business world, you just, the results are spectacular. Yeah. And so we, we, we spend a lot of time on selection to make sure we understand people's uh, not only their skill set, but more their attitude and their ability to work in this environment. You know, we look for people who are high energy, have a lot of stamina, uh, who are extroverts, who love service. Um, and uh, it's that that it may I tell people, you know, think about who you select to work for you because it'll really uh, have a big impact on how hard you have to work. And uh, luckily, we have lots of talent at Walt Disney World, a lot of passionate people are passionate about what they do right it also helps that you probably have a lot of people that want to work at disney so there's never uh, a lack of people to to hire if you need well it's still pretty competitive down here you know we have a lot of theme parks and a lot of hotels that's true um it's it's certainly um disney is a prestigious place to be and uh we 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 get our our share of people applying for the jobs um but uh once you know once they get in i think there's a there's the dream of working for Disney, and then when you get there, you realize how much work it really is. You have to you have to love what you're doing because if you don't love it, it's really hard to commit to the level that we get everyone to commit to. Right. Stitch, you had a question. Um, what is your favorite Disney villain? Animated Disney villain. My favorite animated Disney villain. I really think Maleficent. Mm. That's mine too. Really. Yeah. yeah, she's uh, I think she's one of the scariest. You know, she transforms in that dragon, and that's it's it's pretty neat. Uh, what is it, also what is your favorite Disney animated good guy? Favorite Disney animated good guy. I like Dash a lot. He's like the ultimate teenage kid, and he's got a great attitude, and he fights with his sister, so he's pretty realistic. My favorite Disney uh, good guy is probably Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack. Well, you know, Jack-Jack's uncontrollable. It's hard to know what his – he's got so many different superpowers. Uh, luckily, they're able to figure out how to sort of contain him now. But, but he's funny. He's yeah. funny. He is funny, and he just has a good time. I, lo- I loved when he was fighting with that raccoon, if you saw. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the best scenes. You guys did a great job uh, with that Maleficent float at the end of that parade. It's a shame that it caught fire, but you guys took care of that pretty quickly. Do you, what are the, do you know the plans? Is that coming back? 
I, you know, uh, it's kind of ironic. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come back. I don't know that for sure because it actually caught fire about half an hour after I left uh. the Magic Kingdom <laughs> on my last day. See what happens when you leave. <laughs> So I, I like to say that she was she was crying tears of fire. I don't think that's really the reason, but it's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. That's funny. <laughs> when you first started at Disney, did anything surprise you about how the companies run, what they do? Um, you know, I don't know if anything surprised me, but um, I think what I learned, maybe it didn't surprise me, but the level of uh, organization and the de- the attention to detail mm. was was a whole different deal for me. You know, you come out of college, and you know when you grow up, your your parents nag you about stuff, and you go to college, and you you pretty you, you you roughly follow the rules. But when you come to Disney, you put the name tag on, the expectations go way up, and not only are you held accountable by your leaders, but your peers. There's a there's a pride factor to do things right. And so um, you, you clean up your act pretty quickly and you, you, you move your performance to a whole nother level because you're like with a group of people who is really passionate. It's like if you play a sport like soccer, football, and you play on a really good team, you get better. Right. And that's kind of what happens at Disney. I play soccer. What position do you play? Um, they usually put me on offense. Yeah, they're, they're kind of all over the place. They're learning all the, yeah. the roles to see what they really like at this point, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different ones. The striker's a good position to play. My my, uh, my All my kids played soccer, and they were all tall, so they always played defense. They were midfielders. What's one of the craziest things you've ever seen in your, your days at Disney? Oh, boy. <laughs> that story you always tell at, you know, the cocktail parties or whatever. Yeah, well... Um, we had, uh, I remember when, gosh, let me think. There's a, I don't know these crazy things. Um, uh, Michael Jackson got married to Lisa Marie Presley. This was back in like 1994, maybe, 93, 95. And uh, they were on their honeymoon and they came to Disneyland Paris and uh, they stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. And he was up in the, the, uh, the, the uh, presidential suite. So at the end of the night, you know, he was he was out on the balcony um, uh, signing autographs and on a little piece of paper and throwing them out the window. So that was a really interesting scene that we saw. Um, and then I had a funny story. So when we were living, I was in guest relations at Disneyland Paris, and we'd get, you know, VIP tours. Stars would show up and people would show up and we'd have to accommodate them. I got a call one morning and they said, uh, Dan, um, can you come in? And, you know, my, my wife and I lived with our, our roommate, Alessandra. She was from Sicily, and the three of us shared a, a house. And so I woke up. We were at breakfast. I said, well, I got to go. And they said, well, why do you have to go? I said, well, if there's a VIP. And they said, who is it? And I said, well, you know, I, I, it's confidential. I can't share. Now, of course I could, but I just loved stringing out there. So I left. And I got home that night, and they were, you know, of course, were, who was it? Who was it that showed up? I said, all right, here's the story. I said, I got to work. I got the, uh, the, the car. I pulled up at the Disneyland Hotel, and the president of Disneyland Paris and Michael Douglas came out of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And they got in the car, and we drove him around. And he wanted to see uh, Frontierland. That was his big um, – he wanted – because we were doing – we do like uh, – horse the horseshoe prints and the concrete and there's a lot of detail there so i said we went and saw that and we and we drove back to the hotel and i said 
you know, he didn't say a word to me. I was just driving. Um, uh, the president and the director of operations were really talking to him. And as he got out of the car and he started to walk back to the hotel and he, he paused and he turned back around and he came up and he knocked on my window and I, I lowered the window and I said, uh, yes, Mr. Douglas, what can I do for you? And he said, what's your name? I said, it was Dan Cockrell. He said, have you ever considered being in uh, the movie industry? You know, you have that look. I said, I haven't, but thanks for the comment. And he walked away and they just couldn't believe it. I said, all right, everything was true about that story except the very last part. I never talked to uh, him. <laughs> so we, we had fun with it. Yeah, that's fun. So we talked, you talked a little bit about it, but Disney has this reputation, kind of the gold standard. Um, why do you think that is and how have they held that for so long? Well, I've been uh, talking about this recently in some of the uh, speeches I've been doing. And I did some more, you know, even though I worked for Disney for almost 27 years, I went back to really reacquaint myself with the stories. And, uh, you know, Walt Disney, he came from the animated animation background, right? He did Steamboat Willie. He did the first Snow White uh, full animated film and then the first color full animated film. And he was with movie people. And he used to go in, in Los Angeles. He'd take his daughters to the park. And they would be at the carnival on the carousel. And he looked around and it wasn't super clean and it wasn't particularly safe. Mm. And he just said, there must be something better where families can go to spend their time. And that's how he came up with the concept of the theme park. He basically said, I want to create a three-dimensional movie that you can step into these movies and be in these environments where you can forget the real world and escape from the real world and have these great memories with your family. But he recognized the fact that you can build all this stuff and design it. But as he said, it takes people to make the uh, to make the uh, dream a reality, and so he he knew that that was so important that you know you had to have people who were hospitable and really focused, and and he was always talking about how to focus on the the guest. How do you make how do you make sure the guest gets all the value for what they pay? Mm. And I think over time, you know, the company has faltered a couple times, but I think over you know we're coming up on he opened Disneyland in 1955. We've been able to keep uh, updating and innovating, but keeping the core values the same as people want to feel safe. They want people to be nice to them. They want to escape reality and they want things to work well. And I think we've held on to those those values because a lot of things, you know, they're very simple. But a lot of times, uh, if you can just go with the basics, you can be successful over time. Yeah. Which more companies would, would follow that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, people get bored, I think, with the, the basics. They mm -hmm. want to create new whatever the new technology is. And there's a lot of fun stuff out there. But there's some basic human needs and basic human behaviors that you can't ignore. And if you can stay focused, uh, you can be successful for a long time. Yeah. And it, Disney does a good job of taking that new technology and the new ideas and blending it with those basics. Um, it's amazing the, these rides they're coming out with, and even you could find online some of the patents they're filing. These ideas and technologies they have are are pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, and, and as we we tell our cast, you know, the technology is going to change, but the basics are always going to be the same. Yeah. So we may give you new tools to use, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to a safe environment. Be nice, let people escape reality, and make sure everything works. And then we'll pepper in all the new innovations and technologies and make sure people are, you know, we're on the, still on the cutting edge of what people expect. Great. Uh, what is your favorite Disney park? Favorite Disney park. Well, I usually don't like to commit to these kind of questions. <laughs> so many, but um, I'll tell you, Epcot is a pretty special place for me. 
my wife worked in the French Pavilion. I worked there um, and parked cars. I was an operations manager there back in the late 90s, and then I was the vice president of that park. And my daughter worked in landscaping there and pulled weeds and laid sod there. And my son was a waiter at the uh, Chefs de France restaurant. So it's certainly a family affair. We've all had our experiences there. I'm excited to see um, the future of Epcot. They kind of gave a little bit of their their plans in D23 last year, and it's it's exciting to see what's what's going to be coming up. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, you know you look at the parks. There's a there's a finite amount of resources and investment we can make, but uh, we know that we have to keep inserting and keep investing in in all the parks. And so you know, Magic Kingdom's got uh, the new Fantasyland, yeah. and Tron is under construction. Uh, you have uh, Pandora now at Animal Kingdom, yeah. and then obviously Toy Story Land, and then yeah. Star Wars yeah. Land. That's just going to be awesome. Uh, that's going to open next year, and then so the, the investment's rolling back around Epcot, and I think World Showcase works well. Yeah. It's you know the, yeah. the Food and Wine yeah. Festival, just the, the the feeling you get when you're there. It's just it's great. And now I think they're turning their attention to Future World and making sure that that has the same pull that uh, that that World Showcase does. So. Um, we we want to make sure everyone feels like they have to go to all the parks. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are doing, they're doing a great job with that too. Cause every year there's something new. There's something you feel like, well, I got to go see that now. And I got to experience yeah. Yeah. this flight of passage ride that everyone's talking about. It's, it's really, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. We still do passage. No, not yet. All right. I want to go on it so bad. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty awesome. What's one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome at your career at Disney? I think uh, as you progress to the company, uh, and I think everyone does this in their career, uh, you you learn certain things, and but and and you're you're learning things about yourself, and you're learning things about how to deal with others and gaining experiences, and uh, I think um, probably at Disney the realization that nothing gets done alone at Disney. There's, you have to collaborate. Right. And sometimes you, you're, you work hard and you really, you have all this experience and sometimes you can talk yourself into saying, well, on this one, I can go by myself because I don't really need help. I know how this works. And that's, that's when you get in trouble. Mm. It's, I think that's a common story of people is you don't, you don't think you need to work with others, but it's such a big place. You have to learn how to be part of a team. And, um, there's not a room, you know, we, we, we like individual uh, accomplishments, but we really value teamwork and people lifting each other up. And every once in a while you stray away from that because you have a good idea and you want to see if you can go it on your own and you get, you get a, you get a little scar from that and you realize, you know what, I, I got to keep collaborating because that's the only way we're going to move forward. And I think many businesses are moving that direction now. The world's becoming too complicated to to know how to do everything by yourself. You got to have that yeah. team. I'm seeing you mentioned, uh, you know, you fail and you come back, but I'm seeing that uh, a little bit more in the business world. It's more acceptable to fail as long as you learn from it and apply those learnings um, to what you're going to do in the future. And I think that's a great thing because I know some, some people they're, they're afraid to try because they'll fail. But as long as you learn something from that failure, it's not a total failure. Yeah, it's true. I remember there was a story um, at um, ESPN, and I don't know if you remember, they had tried to launch a cell phone 
um, this was probably six or seven years ago, but it was like an ESPN cell phone huh. and it was going to have all the sports updates and then you could have cellular service. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the theme was, you know, fail quickly. Right. So they, um, they, they, they went and tried to, to go with that. And, um, this was, um, when uh, Bodenheimer was running, uh, ESPN and, uh, he went in and he said, Hey, I just want to let everyone know we're pulling the plug on this project. Uh, but I want to congratulate you because we learned so much while we're developing this and we're going to be able to apply that to everything else. So this was by no means a failure. And I think that's a really smart way for to talk about it. Cause it would be easy to say it was a failure and I'm sure that's what we reported, yeah. but if you can learn you're, you're winning. So, yeah, great. So what was your day to day like at Disney? Well, there was a, a fair amount of meetings. When you're working in a place that big, there's a lot to coordinate. Yeah. Uh, I tried to spend, um, the way I kind of organized my day, I, I got up really early because I, I, working out is really important to me. That's how I deal with stress. So I'd go run and, or swim or do some exercise. I'd uh, knock out as many emails as I could, get into work, and then um, I would try to get out in the park every single day. Um, and I'd schedule time to do that because it's, you know, you you can you can not pay attention, and a week can go by, and you don't even go in the park, and you can't. That's just that can't happen. So, I would spend time in meetings. I'd spend time with my team, um, my my assistant Kathleen and I. We worked together for 16 years, and so we made an agreement. I would be highly accessible. If anyone said they had to talk to me, we would always figure it out because I wanted to make sure I wasn't holding back any progress. But uh, between meetings. Um, you know, just walking around. I'd go out in the park, say hi to cast, see what's going on, go to the cafeteria, join some new cast members, have lunch with them, ask them what they thought about the place. And I wanted to role model what I wanted my leaders to be. And I wanted my my leaders and managers to be highly visible and engaged with the cast. And over time, I, I learned you can talk about that a lot, but if you don't do it, it never happens. Yeah. And so if I had to find the time to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, as I like to think about it, I'd go from 10,000 feet to four feet and back up to 10,000 feet in the same day. So it was it was exciting. You'd be talking about strategies for all the Christmas and Halloween parties. Then you'd go out in the park and help put wristbands on guests as they were coming in for the Halloween party. So it was, uh, you're, you you kind of got to be all, everywhere and anywhere whenever you wanted. That's great. I wish more yeah. managers and people would kind of step into the role, see what their their workers are doing, and even help out when they need to. That's great. Yeah, I think leaders forget how big an impact they can make just by showing up like that. Yeah. And uh, typically, when leaders show up, the cast always say, "Well, either." there's news or there's something wrong. There's no other reason you'd show up. So I tried to, I tried to start getting the habit of showing up with no news and just show up to say hi. And uh, it was kind of unique for a lot of people. It's kind of like the first two questions, except it's not animated. All right. Tell me, Stitch. What do you got? What's your favorite Disney not animated villain? And what's your favorite Disney not animated hero? The live action you're talking. Yeah, live action. My favorite live action villain, man, because I was going to say Jack Sparrow, but I don't know if he's a hero or a villain. Yeah, he's in the middle there, kind of, right? I don't think. He, yeah. Good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy. He is. All right. But he's always being chased around by everyone. And what was the other one? The hero? Uh, yeah, hero. Um, I think, um, I forget his name now, but who was uh, in Tron? What was his name? The hero's name in the original Tron. Well, I don't know. We've actually never seen the original Tron. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the second one was really good, but the first one was great. And I'm sure someone out there will not remember <laughs> it, but he was uh, pretty cool. I'll dub it in just like you actually said it. There you go. <laughs> um, so my d- favorite Disney live action hero is probably Doctor Strange and villain would be Thanos. Thanos, he's a scary guy. I know, that's why I like him. I mean, he eats entire planets. <laughs> <laughs> Disney over the past with, um, I think it really started with Bob Iger's acquiring, like making sure Pixar was part of Disney, getting Marvel, getting Star Wars. It's really amazing to see this um, collection and even the Muppets collection of uh, characters that Disney really has to draw from. And I know online people complain that there's, there's too much of these characters in the parks. But I mean, if you have these characters, of course you're going to use them. And, and yeah, obviously yeah. the public loves these characters. So I think it's a great thing to, to include these um, where they fit into the parks. Yeah. You know, Bob Iger, he's taken, talk about taking risks. You know, I think there's a point where you can look at all the analysis and all the finance people and all the marketing people. But then the day you have to put your, your name on the line as the CEO and those, that could have gone either way. Yeah. I think, obviously, he took some big risks, and, and they were positive. And he's always said that. He said content is so important because content makes an emotional connection with people. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes that, and he's made some great bets. Even this new streaming service coming out they're working on, I'm really yeah, excited because yeah. you know, now with Fox coming in, yes. like there's, there's a whole library there. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm curious about what what where they're going to go with all that because there's just so so many directions they can go. What is your favorite Disney Magic Kingdom attraction? Favorite Disney Magic Kingdom attraction. Uh, there is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I think currently is it's not just it's a classic. But it's got that Pirates of the Caribbean smell, right? You go in there and you can smell that water, mm. a little chlorinated, and yeah. it just takes you know where you are every single time. Yeah, yeah. How about you guys? Um, I really like either Pirates of the Caribbean or Seven Dwarves Mine Train or Test Track. Those are my top three. <laughs> oh, way to commit. Way oh, to commit. No. <laughs> but. How about you, Stitch? I like It's a Small World. Yeah. Classic. Uh, classic. Seven Dwarfs, Mind Train, and Carousel of Progress. Carousel of Progress. All right. Yeah, we love that. There's an there's original classic. A Small World is one of my least favorite rides. <laughs> so annoying. I like it. Come on, Stitch. Sing the song. It's a small world after all. Uh, sorry about it's that. a small world after all. <laughs> it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. And all our listeners have that stuck in their head for days now. Dun, dun, dun. The new Fantasyland in Magic Kingdom, they did a fantastic job with yeah. that. Just yeah, the theming really cool. and, and the, the rides and the attractions they added. It was really a, an amazing job. Yeah, the design, you know, the, the idea was to design it so you couldn't, so it would look like it's its always been there. Yeah. And, uh, they, I think they nailed it, the, the, the Imagineering yeah. team. Yeah, I don't understand how they can visualize these spaces so big and then build them and have them be so on, right on. You know, the storytelling is uh, is amazing. 
Is that an issue when you're constructing new rides? Obviously an issue, but uh, constructing new rides and still having to deal with, you know, constant crowds coming through and making sure everyone's safe. Is that part of you? Like you're making sure everybody's safe and there's no issues there? Yeah, that's that's the that is always a challenging part. I think about all the Disney parks, but Magic Kingdom especially because of the extended park hours. Yeah, uh, you have very you know relatively limited time to refurbish things, to paint, to clean, and so everything you do has to be working around uh, a, a twenty. You know, there's not enough hours in the day, <laughs> and so we're, we're really limited. So there's a lot of work that goes into prioritizing. Uh, trying to uh, space out where we're going to do refurbishments. We want to be at our maximum capacity during our peak periods. So there's a ton of analysis and some very smart people that uh, help us think about that. You mentioned the uh, Halloween party, which just started this week. Yeah. And the the Christmas parties. How far in advance are you planning uh, those Christmas parties? Is it right? Like as soon as it ends, you're already planning the next one? Yes, we will... uh, when it's top of mind, every year after we do the, the parties, we get everyone together and we do a full uh, sort of recap and postmortem. And we say, okay, what worked this year? What didn't work? Because it's always good when it's top of mind yeah. about what you want to fix the following year. And then we start to put together the uh, operating schedule. We try to figure out what we want to add, what we want to take away, what, like I said, what worked, what did the guests respond to? We get the, all the surveys back. So we start every year and we build on and we're always looking for what the new the new thing's going to be because people like they like all the traditional but they always like whatever the new angle is going to be mm. and it's it is a year around planning process. It's got to be tough too. There's so many with you know the internet culture and the we're able to, you know, we have a Disney podcast, there's, you know, lots of Disney podcasts out there and blogs. We build this fandom around one thing and it's got to be hard um when things change, people online say, oh, they changed the, the Cinnabon at Gaston's. I can't believe they did that. Is it? Does that affect what you do at all? Do you look at that stuff? Or do you kind of just have to say, listen, we have to try new things. We have to see what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a couple things that come into that. One is uh, there's a lot of thinking that goes in when we change things. Um, but obviously with social media now, uh, one person can really be very vocal about an issue. So I think we've had to learn, we want to gain feedback from people, but we also need to make sure we understand what the volume of people who are, who are talking about it are. Yeah. And we've, we've, we've come to the conclusion when we change something, someone's going to get annoyed by that. And um, it's, a, it's, it's walking the line between people saying, you know, I want every time I come back, I want it to be just like last time because I, I want to be back and remember what it's like with my family, but I want new stuff also. <laughs> and we don't have enough room to do both. So it's it's you're walking the line, and it's a blessing in disguise because you're working for a company that people feel so passionate about. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, we just have to be thoughtful uh, about how we make those changes and, and consider all the unintended consequences of things we do, and then you know be able to you know handle the heat when uh, we make a change that maybe people don't like. <laughs> So along those lines, the uh, the electrical, uh, the nighttime electrical parade went to Disneyland, and there's no more nighttime parade at Disney. Are there plans for one to come back? I can tell you that uh, there are certainly discussions around um, whether we should bring some sort of night entertainment back. Um, 
we've we 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 looked at a lot of analysis to see what value it brought and and what people thought about it. So I'm not I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I can tell you that uh, there are shelves full of ideas mm. constantly being uh, weighed on, and uh, there's a lot of people weighing in. So. Um, I wouldn't uh, dismiss that the, the idea that a parade could come back, but like I said, I'm kind of out of the loop now, so we'll right. see what they do. <laughs> so along that too, I mean, the Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary is coming up. That's a huge deal. Were you involved in some of the planning on that? Yeah, we started to discuss it, and it, you know, the conversation was: Is this a celebration of the Magic Kingdom for the 50th, or and I think more likely it's celebrating Walt Disney World. Right. Uh, when you think about how many people on just you know just the east coast of the united states have been to walt disney world over the past 50 years it's a pretty big group of people and so i think there's going to be a lot of uh um, we're going to celebrate a lot of the heritage but i think you know at this point in our company there's so much to look forward to so i think we're going to tell both stories looking back but especially this idea what walt said you know we're just getting started (laughs) what are you most proud of um with your time at disney Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm really proud of all the the relationships I formed over the years. Uh, just you know, when you look at the the passion and the talent of the people that work there, it's pretty incredible to have being able to say you worked with all these people. And uh, a lot of people helped me in my career, mentored me, and gave me advice, and helped me through the good and bad times. And I had a lot an opportunity to do that for a lot of other people. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the managers or college program cast I knew back in the day who are going to be in charge there one day. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how important was um, mentoring in your career to have someone mentor you and you mentor someone else? Did that play a role? Yeah, that that's that is that's big. And I think a lot of companies, they try to sort of assign mentors. I think it's just sort of chemistry and you mm. find people you connect with. And people ask me over time, you know, who are the your biggest mentors to help you? And, you know, my, my dad has been a huge influence on me. He always teed up uh, choices. You know, he never told me what to do, but he teed up choices, and there was a lot of logic to them. That helped me sort of guide the way. But um, I what I found is anyone can be a mentor. You can learn from everybody. You just have to be curious, open your mind, and, and so, someone always has something to share I think people sometimes think people of authority have to be mentors, or but I learned from I learned from cast, I learned from frontline leaders, I learned from executives. Um, I think you just got to get rid of your ego and say, you know what, I can learn every single day. I just have to to, to be willing to do it. Yeah, that's a great attitude. I, had. I wish more people would have that attitude. Yeah. So, what advice do you have for you know maybe um, you know young young people like Stitch and Sparrow or people just going into the work workplace? What is, what is your one or two most valuable lessons you want to you want people to know. Okay, it's funny. I had a um, I had a call today with a uh, a manager at Disney who reached out to me and wanted some uh, reassurance and some advice. And so I think there's two things um, I'd put out there. One is um, be curious, mm-hmm. be open minded. And just know there's so much to learn today and there's so much access to information and uh, everything's at your fingertips. And if you're curious and you learn a little bit every single day, uh, it'll 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 pay back tenfold in the future. I think people don't realize the experience they're getting, how valuable it is in the moment. But then uh, a week later, two weeks later, a year later, 20 years later, it all comes back. 
And so be open-minded and get lots of experiences, you know, be, be willing to take small risks to uh, intellectually, socially, uh, be out there and try things and be willing to make mistakes. And then the, the, the second thing I think is a big deal these days, because there's just such a big focus on what society uh, prescribes as success. You know, mm-hmm. you got to make this much money and you have to have this size house, drive this kind of car and have this kind of job. And I, the guy, I, I talked to this manager today. I said, you know what? Run your own race. Don't get caught up in everyone else's expectations. Uh, at the end of the day, um, you should be looking for achievement and enjoyment. And if you can do both of those based on what your definition of them is, you're successful. And I think sometimes we do too much to try to live up to either someone else's expectations, our parents, our spouse, our partner, our kids, our whoever it is. But I think people just need to learn how to uh, set what they think success is. And so I know a lot of very quote unquote successful people who are just miserable. They just can't find mm. a sense of, of, uh, of well-being. And so um, I think it's important to walk that line. You have to work hard. You have to study hard. I mean, there's a lot to, to, to go to, to where you want to be. But at the same time, you have to, uh, you know, like I said, run your own race. You're the only one that can define your success. That's great. Good stuff. Did you guys write that down? No. Nope. write that down. <laughs> But I can see their, their minds are like a steel trap that captured it forever. Um, your your dad actually said almost like the same thing about like being curious. Did he? Yeah. He probably told me that when I was your age. And I still- <laughs> but we live in such a great age too, where you know we, the internet is at our fingertips. If the you are internet. curious about something, you have no excuse. Just. Go out and, and research it and find it. Um, but also there's that um, trap of falling too much into t- technology and not talking to other people about it. So there, there's a fine balance there, I think. Absolutely. I think that curiosity piece is, you know, a risk you can take is if you take the subway, take a risk and talk to the person sitting next to you. Mm. I mean, you know, there, to your point, there's lots of great uh, points of view out there. I just saw a great TED Talk. And a lady was talking about luck. And I'm a huge fan of the, the, the topic of luck. And, uh, you know, you, you create your own luck. You create it through your being open-minded. You create it through taking risks. You create it with showing gratitude for people. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I kind of got lucky to, to find out about that job. Or, but at the end of the day, people create their own luck. If they're more open-minded and they're more willing to, to try new things, more good things happen to them. What do you do in your spare time? My spare time, well, um, like I said, exercise is a big one for me. So I, uh, I make sure I get exercise in every day. Uh, two of our kids have moved out of the house. So we've had a dog for a few years because we needed another life form. So we walk her and throw the ball in the pool for her and play with her. And then I'm trying to learn how to kiteboard. Um, oh. You have a, like a, a, you have these big kites that are different sizes for different winds, and you have a harness and you have a board. And it took me nine months to get up once for the first time. And now I can get up, but I can't get back to my original departing point. So I, I take my phone with me and I go down the Indian River. And then wherever I land, I call my wife and she comes and picks me up. So that's that's what I'm doing in my spare time is a lot of it's being lost. <laughs> as long as you're always found at the end, it's good, right? Yeah, we always figure it out then. And I don't go in the ocean. I go in the river. So I know I'm going to be going to one one bank or the other, not out to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> so you were VP of Hollywood Studios, um, I think 2011 to 2015. So around the time those like Star Wars Land rumors started, 
How much has that plan changed? It has changed dramatically. Really? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, at, at, at the beginning, the plan was uh, we were going to build Star Wars land based on Tatooine and all the stories that we knew from the movies. Okay. And uh, at one point, all those plans, we'd been working on it for a year and a half. And at one point, uh, the team came back and said, changing plans, um, our, our uh, CEO, Bob Iger, and Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilms, they had a meeting, and they've concluded there's more Star Wars ahead of us than behind us, and we are going to start building for future and not what you know these 50-year-old guys remember Star Wars is. So, so we're gonna do. I think they're gonna do a good job of mixing the the landscapes and every, so there's gonna be something for everybody. But um, it's a the, the creative process is not linear. It's uh, it goes in lots of different directions, and it's it's incredible how it works. But it takes a lot of patience and time until you can land on like the right the right environment, the right piece. And like I said, I've seen some of the designs of the new land, and it is going to be. I mean, I just it's it's hard to tell you how incredible it's going to be. Pandora was great. Think of Pandora, and then think of everything you could add to Pandora and put Star Wars in it. And it's it's going to be. Uh, I think probably one of the most popular lands they've ever built. Yeah. For yeah, years we can't years. wait. We can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Although I have to wait like a year. Yeah, we're. You have to wait till it opens. That's true. <laughs> so why don't you talk a, a little bit about what you're doing now? I mean, you're you're a young guy. Uh, you retire from Disney. What what's going on now? Yeah, I'm not sure how the retire word got out there. I think that was a social media thing. I got home. My wife said, "I read online that you retired." She said, "I thought we still have to pay the mortgage." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, we're not going to go uh, drink uh, my ties every night and play golf." Fair um, yeah. So I am, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the 27 years of Disney, uh, I wanted to, um, we wanted to travel and, uh, I want to share a lot of what I've learned over time. And so, um, uh, my wife and I now, and she's, um, assisting me and she's my now I call you know, I tell her she's my personal assistant. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're kind of teaming up and, uh, I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, in my dad's footsteps, you know, he's been doing this for 12 years now. So he's been a great mentor for me. And um, I'm starting to do keynote speeches talking about leadership. Uh, I have a, a theme of a, a speech I do, and it's called uh, How is the Weather in Your Kingdom? And the idea is, you know, culture is like the weather. It encompasses everything. And in fact, leaders have the ability to impact the weather, they have the ability to impact culture and make people feel excited and, and a great environment for them. So, and obviously, I worked in a company that focuses a lot on that. Right. And then um, I'm doing some other stuff on, uh, you know, uh, consulting with hospitality companies, hotel companies on how to think about organizational structure. So a lot of it's on creating culture and leadership. And then some of it's technical in nature about what I, I learned at Disney. But uh it's now sort of going from, you know, 12,000 cast members to sole proprietor. And it's my wife, dog, and I, and we're just trying to figure it out. And our kids are, you know, we got two out of the house and our son's going to graduate from high school next year. So we figured this was a good window of time to kind of go on a whole new adventure and this idea of being curious and, and trying new things. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I know in your website, dancockle.com, you could subscribe to his newsletter and each week you send out um, an article that you find interesting that you think people should know and you give a little bit of comments and then just the article. And I found those extremely helpful and insightful. So um, I, I urge everyone Good. to go out and do that. Yeah, I've been doing that since I worked at Epcot as an operations manager, like 1998. So it's been about 20 years, 18 to 20 years. I've been sending out an article to my team 
And so, um, and I just sort of kept adding people to it. So when I left Disney, I decided to keep up that tradition. And um, I'm going to actually start, um, I'm putting together some plans for a podcast. I'll probably launch in uh, the next six to eight weeks and uh, going to start doing some writing also. So right now I curate the articles and I'll start uh, dabbling a little bit and putting my own thoughts out there. That's great. The recent one, I think maybe two weeks ago about, you know, 1% improvement. You don't have to improve everything right away. Just improve a little thing each day and you'll make much more progress. That really, um, something I needed to hear at the time. So it was really, it was really good. Thank you for doing, for sending those out. No, that's great. There's some great authors out there. And like I said, I just like to bring stuff that I think is insightful to light. And, you know, as long as people can just have, you know, one little thing, maybe a nugget they can learn every week. That's what it's all about. Yep. So where can people find you online? Yeah, dancockrell.com. Uh, my contact information's there, my email, my uh, phone number, uh, my the subscribe to the uh, websites on there, and everything you want to find is right there. And uh, I sometimes people call my cell phone number on my site, and they say, um, oh, I meant to call your assistant. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this is my cell phone. Uh, so anyway, that, I, I like to keep following that tradition of this accessibility and, and approachability. I think it's important. That's great. Yeah, I noticed on your website you have the tagline kind of teach, counsel, and inspire, which is great. And you've done that here. Some some great uh, insights and nuggets. So thank you so much for, for joining us and talking to us, taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, I think this is great what y'all are doing. And, and you guys are going to, um, I think you're learning more than you know. And the, the amount of just hearing all this stuff, it's all going to come back. And I can't wait to see your college essays when you head off to school. And you're going to have some pretty cool stuff to talk about. I'm pretty sure we're learning more than we know. (laughs) (laughs) Self-awareness. That's a great thing to have. It is. Well, that That was interesting. Yes, very interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. If you guys want to check out more of Dan Cockle's stuff, you go to his website, dancockle.com. He just had a podcast start this past week on October 4th. It's called Come Rain or Shine. So look for that in your podcast player. Uh, I listened to the first couple episodes. Really good. I'd recommend it. Wait, he has more than one episode and started two days ago? He released three at one time. Oh. Yeah. They suggest you do that sometimes. I don't know. So, yeah. We're not going to do that. We didn't do that, no. So, yeah. Come Rain or Shine. Check him out. Thanks, Dan, for uh, being on our show and allowing us to ask you some questions. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. All right. Now on to our Disney character trivia. Trivia! This is brought to you by TeePublic. Go to shop.disneydiscussions.com and buy some merch with our logo on it. Yes. Awesome new logo. Amazing new logo. This week, Stitch has some character trivia. And since he saw the Aladdin play, he's got some Aladdin character trivia. Let's do this. So the first trivia in the Aladdin section... You'll know why in the in the media pick of the week. So, um, Aladdin. Okay, so whenever Aladdin lies, when he's disguised as Prince Ali, the, plume, the giant feather on his hat falls and covers his face every time he lies when he is disguised. Interesting. Cool. Here's a couple pieces of trivia about Genie. The Genie was originally designed to look like a cloud of smoke. In deleted concept concept from Aladdin, it was revealed that the peddler, which is the guy in the beginning that says uh, sings Arabian Nights, 
is actually the genie in disguise. Interesting. And then Jafar has one trivia. Go for it. Which I think is actually kind of interesting. Okay. Did you know it took one year and nine months to record Jafar's lines for Aladdin? Wow, it's a long time. Yeah. yeah. So that was our character trivia. Not every character trivia there is, but because there's Jasmine too. Yep. But, but that's cool. So maybe we'll do that as a regular segment. We'll have Disney character trivia now. And Good job, trivia. Stitch. Wait, will that be replacing Disney trivia? Yes. Good job, Stitch. Now on to our Disney Media Pick of the Week. Media Pick of the Week! So where we got that trivia was from... Disney's Who's Who and A to Z char- Disney characters. Right. So it's got every Disney character in here yeah. from the beginning up until Zootopia. Actually, right? from, 100, from 101 Dalmatians. Right, because that's what it starts with. But I'm saying from the movies. So, like, yeah. from the very beginning, Mickey Mouse and Friends, up until the movie Zootopia. So, it's got everybody listed in there. It's all alphabetical. Uh, and there's fun trivia tra- uh, facts for each of them. Uh, even all Pixar characters are in there. So, check well, it out. Well, not everyone. Some of, them, uh, some of the movie things don't have trivia. Right, right. But all the animated characters are in there. So check out that book. I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check it and out. And it says on the back. Yes, it says on the back. Disney's Who's Who. Get to know more about your favorite Disney characters and meet some you may not know. This comprehensive guide is the, is the name of... What is the name of, Al, of Alice's cat? Who is Gilbert Humph? It's a weird name, mm-hmm. but it says that. How many hairs do Al... Al does Elsa have on her head? Don't know. Well, well, you, well, you will soon. With more than six hundred characters and a whole host of fun facts, you'll be a Disney character expert in no time. That's right, and we're actually going to use this. We're going to bring this on the cruise and maybe a future Disney trip, and have the characters sign their page that their character is on. That's why we. That's why we bought it. Also for character trivia. That's right. All right. So that's our Disney Media Pick of the Week. And now we're going on to Question of the Week. Question of the Week. Question of the Week. Question of the Week. So last week we asked you, what's your favorite song from a Disney and... That's right. And everyone responded. And on Twitter, we had at DisNerdKitten respond. Okay. So my answer definitely changes based on the day. But right now I'd say Go the Distance from Hercules, which is a good one. At Hufflepuff Ray said, Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins, which is a great song. And actually, Walt Disney's favorite song. Oh. And uh, actually, you're stretching the rules there. We asked animated movie, but I guess there's animation in in Mary Poppins, so we'll allow it. Also, there was a new Mickey Mouse short with Feed the Birds in it. Yeah. Right? Check that out. Feed the Birds, Feed the Birds. At ML Artist said, I'm away from Brother Bear, my theme song when I got accepted into the college program in 2012. I've never seen Brother Bear. Have you guys seen Brother Bear? No, I've seen part of yeah. it. We'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar with that song. At Disney Flyer says, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride, which is a great song from Lilo and Stitch. Our Hawaiian Roller Coaster yep. Ride. At 2D Vision Pod. So, oh, at 2D Vision Pod. Um, they do a podcast about Disney sequels. They said Circle of Life. A great song. It's the Circle of Life. At Lovin' Disney 08. Says, without Lovin'. a doubt, Gaston. It 
is my all-time favorite. That's right, a villain song. From the start to finish, it makes me get up, dance, and sing along every single time. Is there a better villain song? Nope, because no one is better than G-A-S-T-O-N Gaston. At Bexter20 says, I can go the distance, zero to hero, the whole Hercules soundtrack. At Tombstone Josh once said, Be prepared from Lion King. Be prepared. But it actually links to like a rock metal version of that, which is pretty cool. At Ohio Disney Dad says, Tarzan had an amazing soundtrack. I agree, a lot of good songs from Tarzan. Oh, we actually recently saw Tarzan. Yeah. At LOTM Podcast, Love of the Mouse Podcast, Matt, who did our logo, check out his podcast, said, Maybe an underrated choice, but I absolutely love Strangers Like Me from Tarzan. Phil Collins rocked that entire soundtrack, but the song is my favorite out of all of them. Yep, good choice. At Disney DNA Pod, so Disney DNA Podcast, listen to them as well, they're great. You're welcome from Moana, which is a great song and You're welcome constantly gets stuck for in your head. the wonderful world, you know. <laughs> hey, it's okay, it's okay. At Dingus Brigham says, I don't know the name, but the one in Aladdin where he is running through the market being called Street Rat. One jump. And that, yep, that is actually called One Jump Ahead, Street Rat, which is a great song. We heard that at the play. called One Jump Ahead. And in parentheses, Street Rat. Yep. At Logan54K, our friend Kirk says, this is so hard, so many good ones. I think I'm partial to Under the Sea, which is a good song. I love Under the Sea. Under the Sea. All right. And on Instagram, we had some responses as well. At Monday Morning Monorail which is another great podcast, said uh, Justin is... Justin's favorite from Monday Morning Monorail is Be Prepared. What's the debate? Says definitely Let It Go from Frozen. Cliche, but it's such a powerful and amazing song. Let it go, let it go. Her Majesty Cat says any Mary Poppins song, probably Jolly Holiday the most. Mary Poppins is my favorite, if you can't tell from her profile picture. My favorite Mary Poppins song would be Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. She also says, love listening to you guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Keep on commenting. We love to hear from you guys. Chris SBD says, I'll make a man of you from Mulan. And that is all. So a lot of great responses from this question. That was a good one. And this week we want to know What's your favorite version of Mickey? Or from what cartoon or movie is your favorite version of Mickey? We love to hear from you. You heard ours. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tell your friends and family about us if they love Disney and looking for more Disney in their lives. Tell them about our podcast. Be sure to rate us and review us wherever you listen, most especially Apple Podcasts. That's where it helps out the most. Give us a star rating and leave an actual review. Just a couple words would be fine. We'd appreciate it. You can listen to us anywhere, whether it be on our website or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Just search for Disney Discussions. We are on the internet, as Sparrow mentioned before. We are on Twitter, at Disney underscore Discuss, Instagram, Disney underscore Discuss, Facebook, Disney Discussions, and YouTube. And as always, check out our website, DisneyDiscussions.com. If you have any questions, comments, or show ideas for us, things you want to hear us talk about, email us. You can email us at podcast at DisneyDiscussions.com. That's right. And don't forget, we're on Spotify. We are on Spotify, too. Spotify. All right. And you can respond to us on Twitter with what your favorite version of Mickey is. And we will read it on the next episode. See you real soon. Hey!
Bye bye. Bye-bye. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, Disney has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that you'll be back with us again soon. Drive carefully on your way home. Good night. Yeah, folks. And me and my pals hope you had a swell time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, looking ahead. Disneyland News. <laughs> Sight, sounds, and flavors of the holidays at Cindy. Cindy, who's Cindy? Cindy. <laughs> Cindy. 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 Let's go to Sydney land instead of Disneyland. <laughs>